was fancy. Yeah, we've got fancy music at the start of this episode. I am full of funk. And why do we have fancy music at the start of this episode? Because we're fancy people. Because it's the 10th episode. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> okay, I need you to get on board with what we're doing here. Like, <laughs> you need to sharpen it up. This is a special episode. I'm super sharp. So yeah, this is it. This is our 10th episode. This is a huge milestone. Some podcasts don't even get this far. Yeah. We're just so stubborn that we just keep <laughs> pushing through. Regardless of if people like it or not, <laughs> we're going to keep shoving this show out there. That's how we make friends. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, and this has actually taken a really long time for us to get together just because our time is not our own. We don't yeah. own our time, so we have no control over how it's used. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we should explain the title to this episode. I know it'll be kind of obvious to a lot of people, but to the people that it's not obvious to, we should go ahead and explain it. Yes, I think it's a good idea. <laughs> yes. For our 10th episode, we want to do something really special, and we acknowledge that we would not have gotten even this far if not for the amazing podcasting community that we have found, for the friends we have made, and most especially for Dan and Emma and Tiny Bims <laughs> over at Real Life Ghost Stories. Uh, they encouraged us to do this. Yeah, I wasn't super on board until you started talking to them. And I was like, oh, this sounds rad. <laughs> yeah, because we we'd wanted to do something like this for a while. Hardly Paranormal actually was going to be a YouTube channel. Yeah. Which at this point, I'm like, there's no way we should do a YouTube <laughs> channel. <laughs> <laughs> and we I decided well why don't we do a podcast like we have some of the equipment like it doesn't seem as hard as a YouTube channel lo and behold it's super hard <laughs> yeah it's a lot well I wouldn't say it's super hard but it's definitely a lot harder than we thought it was going <laughs> yeah. to be and we thought that we were nowhere near ready to get started mm-hmm. um, but I really loved like many people real life ghost stories and I sent Eva a message saying thank you for the show it's awesome and it's inspired us to to do our own and she came right back with mm-hmm. like what do you want to do what's the what, what's the title like she was so interested and so supportive and so is Dan and they provided us with advice and resources and we went from nowhere near ready to literally recording the first episode <laughs> yeah. within like two days yeah so we would not be here without them. And this episode is sort of our way of thanking them. Also, um, as we learned in the last episode, uh, Tiny Bims is better than Gloom. And uh, I stick by my argument about that. Yeah, Gloom is our cat. Uh, we have two, Doom and Gloom. And Gloom, uh, she's the one that interrupts us the most during recording. Yeah. And uh, she's not sweet or <laughs> kind. <laughs> <laughs> she's like aggressively affectionate. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we each have a topic. This is another thing that makes this episode a little special, is instead of doing a single topic, we actually both have our own topics that we're going to do, and we hadn't really decided who was going to do who's first. We're really in a dilemma. Oh, are you are you doing a pun based on their names? <laughs> You're Dan right I am. <laughs> that you should toss that joke in the bim. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. The podcast. Bye, guys. That's Thanks. it. The whole episode. You're welcome. Bye. <laughs> okay, so I'll go first, mostly because uh, I have the shorter one, I think. <laughs> Don't make faces like that. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you. So the topic that I chose to talk about is UFOs and alien abductions. Thanks, Dan and Emma. We're going to pick the things that terrify you. So I found a story on Creepypasta about an alien abduction dream that may have really happened and it's a story called the night i chose to remember 
It's starting out good with that title. Yeah, the title is, like, ice cold. When I was in elementary school, I can't specifically remember when, I somehow developed nightmares. I dreamt often that I was abducted by aliens, and that was often enough to terrify me. Their simple appearance and seemingly frightful desire to take me from my family. Now that I'm a full-grown adult, however, I realize that there are two very strange patterns around this that I overlooked as a child. Things only the insightful mind of an adult would have thought to look at, and the terrified whims of a restless child could easily ignore. The first was frightening to realize and perplexes me to this day, dealing with the fact that I had in fact never known about aliens before I started having the nightmares. I hadn't even seen E.T. yet, which was obviously a bit strange for my age, but it was the truth. We didn't even own a movie at the time. The thing that worries me even now, how could I have nightmares about an idea I shouldn't have known existed? Ooh. The second thing I can remember about those early years is perhaps the more frightening of the two, and is in fact the reason I am here, telling this story today. Wait, wait, wait. His main selling point was that, like, he's like, oh, I haven't even seen E.T. I don't even own any movies. That's a little suspect. <laughs> what, what are drugs? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, like a total, no idea. I mean, it's possible. It could happen. Like, I've met kids that hadn't seen famous movies when we were younger. Well, I mean, I still haven't seen E.T. all the way through, but like... Then why I, are you talking crap? No, because like, he's like, oh, I don't even own movies. I think he's trying to set up the, you know, validity of his claims. He's trying to lie about the validity of his claims. The second thing I can remember about those early years is perhaps the more frightening of the two, and is in fact the reason I am here today telling this story. My nightmares, as I mentioned, were reoccurring, but as I'm sure you've guessed... I have reason to believe that they were credited to real events. That dreadful night, that horrible and awful night, I want so desperately to forget. Before I go further into that night, I should probably briefly give you a background of myself. My name isn't necessary and I don't think it matters what I look like. My family was starting to find its feet. I had both my parents around and doing the best they could for two young children. I was probably seven or eight, considering my sister was able to walk at the time, and it's about five years younger than me. I slept in the top bunk, she in the bottom, and I would often stay up late at night, feeling so sly my parents never caught me just staring out the curtained window, hypnotized by the glowing effect of streetlights through the thin white curtain. One night, though, I had the most frightening dream. I simply was looking out the window of a building I vaguely recognized to be a variation of my school classroom. Now, I know that dreams can work like that, using places from your memory to create something familiar, yet even if it's an imperfect recreation, you have this feeling that makes you automatically recognize where you are. For whatever strange reason, it was night, and everyone was in class like normal, lights on so as to ward off the eerie night vibe of it all. That said, things escalated quickly. Rather, I was dropped into the dream during the escalation. I was running to the window as everyone else was, almost immediately after the power went out and an intense glow began emitting from the outside that could not have been regular school lights. In my dream, a large, spin-top-shaped flying saucer had landed in the courtyard of our school. I turned, looking slightly to my left out the window, and although it was just a dream, that sight traumatized me all the same. I watched my dad carrying my little sister, as I mentioned, barely able to walk. I mentioned earlier it was some dream nonsense class taking place at night, but I remember it now. It was an after-school program. He saw the saucer, and although I know I witnessed it happen, I can't remember the details of how it happened, and can only recall this happening because I feel it like a sixth sense or perhaps just a repressed memory. I only remember the overwhelming feeling of grief as I watched the doors on the alien shuttle open and several little gray men killed my father as he desperately tried to defend my sister. I can't remember what happened to her. I've always assumed she was taken aboard the ship, but I suppose I don't want to know if that's true. I must have screamed in agony because the aliens turned to look specifically at me through the window. At least, I think that's why. Come to think of it, I guess not, because they burst into the room and once more specifically came for me. I don't recall what happened. That's what I dreamed. That's what reoccurred in my nightmares every so often for about five years after. The first night I woke up crying. I didn't scream and I didn't yell. 
I just cried as my mom came in hearing my pitiful sobs to comfort me. I fought the nightmare for a few years, but one night it broke me again, sobbing in fear of something my body refused to let me remember. Then there was a night, a night I cannot forget, that haunts me to this day. I was 13 and headed into high school soon, and I remember my family was packed up and moving the next morning. As a result, I was sleeping on the floor, and even though it was carpet, it was wholly uncomfortable to be on the ground, and I wasn't having an easy time getting to sleep. I've always been one to sleep on my side, maybe my back, but never my stomach because it always felt like I was going to puke up my own intestines laying on it. Yet that night, I woke up uncomfortable and in an odd fashion. I was in the anatomical position, laying on my stomach, and my head facing to the left. The two things I noticed immediately wrong were that I was not snuggling my favorite stuffed animal, don't judge, and that I was on my stomach. Uncomfortable, I tried adjusting by lifting and twisting my body in the direction my head was laying. As I lifted my head in anticipation of this action, however, I met a startling halt. Something extremely stubborn was above my head and pushed my head back down into my pillow. In what I might add was an unusually gentle but mechanically forceful fashion. I tried to scream but nothing came out, literally not a sound came from me. Hell, I can't even recall if I opened my mouth, it was like I was paralyzed. Then I noticed the carpet. I could feel the carpet there, but not actually with my body. More it was like in my dream. My mind recognized the carpet was there, again like a sixth sense. Like my mind was being told what I experienced, rather than experiencing it myself. The same feeling applied to a light in the room. Although I had a lamp in the general direction of the light I felt, I knew it was packed away at the rest of the things in my room for when we moved the next day. With my face in the pillow, with my face in the pillow and the strange sixth sense-like feeling, my thoughts suddenly rushed to the nightmare that I'd mentioned was reoccurring up to that point. Before I could make any real connections, though, I suddenly was feeling relaxed and drifted to slumber in seconds, something also extremely rare for me. The next morning I didn't remember the events, almost as though they weren't important so I'd let myself forget. I only suddenly remembered them a few weeks later, almost without warning. I of course realized I should have told my parents. However, I felt the statute of limitations for that had long passed and felt it was too embarrassing to bring up anyways. Honestly, I was far too spooked to ever want to think about what may have really happened that night. Author's Note Now looking back, I've drawn the dots, and although you may call me crazy, I know what was wrong that night and I don't care what you think. I'm putting this on the internet only because I know it really happened and I just want to forget. Every night I've left this unresolved, I've had to feel the trauma all over again. When the story is finished, I know I can begin to rest. I went to sleep in my room and woke up someplace else, where for sure I cannot say, but I was not home. Whoever took me unintentionally made that clear by trying to make me believe I was still home on the simulated carpet floor, making me believe that the light it was working on me with was my own lamp. It was the same trick they'd use every time they'd come for me. They'd have me believe I had a nightmare. They'd have me believe I was staring at a pretty picture-perfect window. But my mind fought back that night and gave me the power to see through the haze that night just like it fought to protect me from the horrors of witnessing the events in my nightmare. You see, they say when you're exposed to a horrific or traumatic experience, your mind will recede into a happy place, something familiar. Theoretically, I guess, someone could abuse the happy place with the right technology or even telepathic powers if you want to get supernatural, to convince someone an event never really happened. Usually our minds fight back to keep us from permanently falling into our happy place, to prevent us from becoming insane and even comatose. My mind fought back that night because it knew there was something out there abusing my happy place, triggering my happy place of safety so I'd never know the truth. Although I know my memories of the true events those nights won't ever come back, I know the truth of every night I chose to forget, thanks to that one night my mind chose to remember. And although my tale is over, 
I'd like to note, I have never had an incident since then, and can feel that it won't ever happen again, probably because of that night they lost control of me. I doubt I'm a special case, though. I doubt I'm the first to report this or break this hold they have on us, the strongest to resist it or the best at it, or even more frightening to face realistically. I doubt I'm the last. So the next time you swear to God that the last dream you had was too familiar or too real, you may want to prepare yourself, because the truth is out there, and every time I think about it, I get this feeling that I don't want to remember it. You know how I give, like, all stories a chance, like Jersey Devil, Jeff, Yeah, you're very, you're very willing to believe people. I don't believe this at all. You don't believe he had dreams like this? No, I don't believe that it was alien evolved. So, yeah, I can understand why, because he does describe some things that sound very sleep paralysis-y. Yeah. This is one of the things about, I actually did a lot of research into alien abductions, and I actually have way more than this, but I'm saving this for an alien abduction episode, because I have so much more than this. And what I found in my research is, yeah, if you think you got abducted by aliens, no one is ever going to believe you, except other people who were abducted by aliens. Well, now that I'm a naysayer, I'm for sure going to get abducted. (laughs) I don't know if that's how it works. Like, if the aliens are that spiteful, like, (laughs) oh, she doesn't get her. (laughs) Well, they simulate your dreams or something, like... Well, I think what he was saying is that while he was having a traumatic experience, Mm -hmm. like being experimented on or whatever, that they were forcing him to repress the memories and imagine something different happening. What do you think they get from experimenting now? Because, like, we've had alien stories for, like, let's say in the public consciousness really hard since, like, the 50s or whatever. Yeah. So, like, surely if they're such an advanced race, they, they got all their information by now. Yeah. One would think. Well, and some of the alien abduction stories that I've heard, uh, there's they put implants in people or they take things from them. Um, like their car keys? Their car keys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of the stories revolved around people uh, being involved in some kind of hybrid experimentation with the aliens. Either Maybe o- that's why our kid's so smart. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm. That means I'm not the father. <laughs> How rude. <laughs> But it's like a woman being impregnated and then the baby disappearing or men being forced to have sex with alien women on spaceships, which I feel like because we know how to... Death by snooze No, like, we know how to impregnate cows without making two cows have sex. I feel like an advanced alien race could do the same thing without forcing a guy to have sex with an alien woman. (laughs) Fair. But what I found was looking at all these different stories of people who had been abducted by aliens or believed they had Mm -hmm. is every single scientist, psychologist, or whoever, not only did they approach them uh, from a stance of Mm non-belief, but they weren't even convinced that that something had actually happened to them. Do you know what I mean? Like, not even saying, oh, you weren't abducted by aliens, but this probably happened. They were just like, no, they're just crazy. Like, 99% of the time. It was wild, the disrespect (laughs) that these people had. Because, okay, so say it's a sleep paralysis thing. Mm -hmm. So when people have sleep paralysis episodes, they either, when it's a crazy one, Mm -hmm. they either believe that they were abducted by aliens, or they believe they're being attacked by a demon or some other kind of spiritual entity. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, when they say they were abducted by aliens, everyone is like, they are an insane person. Not like, oh, they're just, you know, being affected by this experience. They go, no, they're a crazy person. But if they say they're attacked by demons, people give them credence. Well, I think it's because, like, 
when you say that you're attacked by demons, like when when you wake up, you're like, oh, I had a sleep paralysis episode where I thought there were demons. But when you do it with aliens, they think they were abducted. There's not like, mm-hmm. oh, I had a sleep paralysis episode where I thought I was being abducted. Yeah. So I think it sounds a little more wild when they say, you know, like yeah, aliens came for them. Well, and I think also what I noticed um, watching interviews with people that had been abducted by aliens, they they actually take the opposite stance rather than saying, oh, I thought I was abducted, but it was sleep paralysis. They say, I was hoping it was sleep paralysis, but I think it was really aliens. Mm. And I'm really curious as to what the correlation is, like what what is happening psychologically that has that leads them down that road. Yeah. Um. There's a whole lot about alien abduction stories that has to do with uh, psychologists and uh, false memories, but I'm going to save that for another episode because it is so awesome, and there's not awesome good, but awesome like, it's crazy how- It's awe-inspiring. It inspires awe because it's nuts how prevalent it was, how often it happened, and still happens to this day where psychologists- accidentally or otherwise trick people into thinking they've been abducted by aliens can i just do that to just people why that's terrible some of my customers really deserve it that's awful you're an (laughs) awful person (laughs) please don't fire me so that's that's the story i don't think i'm kind of on the same in the same boat as you i don't think that this person was really abducted by aliens i think this person has some really disturbing nightmares and maybe is looking for meaning mm-hmm. like how come i'm having these nightmares and by saying oh these aliens are tricking my happy place into triggering that gives them meaning i think that makes it a little easier to deal with yeah than just you're randomly having terrible dreams <laughs> yeah so that was my topic i don't think it's really paranormal now keep in mind i do believe in aliens <laughs> i totally think aliens are real i think it would be uh, arrogant to assume that we're the only intelligent species in the billions and trillions of planets. I think that's crazy. I I don't know. I'm on the fence. You're on the fence about aliens, but not no, Bigfoot? No, no. <laughs> no, I mean, okay. I believe in aliens that don't come to us. Like, I yeah. think that there are aliens out there. I don't think any of them come here. I don't know about that. I disagree. I think that aliens do. Because the, the military has acknowledged UFOs. They've said, like, hey, here's a video before it leaks. This is a video. This is a craft. We have no idea what it is or where it's from. Now, I'm not going to say that UFO automatically means it's aliens. Yeah. Because you can't you can't come up with a conclusion with no, you know what I mean? Yeah. But there's enough evidence for me to suspect that there are aliens that do visit us. I don't think they do everything that people say they do. Yeah. But I definitely believe there are aliens. You believe? I believe. The truth is totally out there. I think that's what um, messed it up for me. In when that he says story. that at the end. Yeah. Like, so. Okay, settle down, Scully. <laughs> <laughs> and now you have a topic. I do. I'm so sorry, Dan. <laughs> what is your topic? Um, haunted and ghost children. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away. All right. This first one is police captain confirms children possessed by demons. Okay. A U.S. police captain said that he believed a story about a woman who claimed her children were possessed by demons, which also same. <laughs> Name one mother who's not made that claim. I know, right? Latoya Ammons from Indiana said that her three children walked up walls, levitated, and spoke in voices. Which, I mean, spoken voices, that is what speech is. But I get it. <laughs> Nitpicking. Yeah. <laughs> I like how that's what you went after, not the walking up walls or anything. I'm just saying, like, it's not paranormal to speak in voices. Okay. <laughs> 
Official reports filed in 2012 backed up her claims with psychologists stating that they saw the nine-year-old child speak in different deep voices and walk up the wall backwards. He flipped over and landed on his feet, they added. Gary Police Captain Charles Austin, who has more than 35 years of experience, said that he had been convinced by the story. I don't see how that correlates, though. Well, he's been a policeman for a long time. So, if he believes it, it's like, well, yeah, but... <laughs> well, he was actually like, um, what is it, night lighting? When, uh, when you work at somewhere else at nighttime? Moonlighting. 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 He was moonlighting as a demonologist. I is feel. that legit? No. That's oh, just... I was like, oh my god, that's amazing. But, like, that would make the story so much better. I'm gonna just pretend that that's what happened. Okay, alright, that's fair. <laughs> According to the local newspaper, the Indianapolis Star, he describes himself as a believer after visiting the house and interviewing Miss Ammons and her family. Official Indiana State documents detail more events, apparently witnessed by medical experts and those outside the family. Medical staff reported that they observed the children and heard the seven-year-old making growling noises and his eyes rolled in the back of his head. Jesus. Which still sounds like weird kids. Yeah, weird (laughs) demonic kids. (laughs) (laughs) They observed the child lifted and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him. The report also detailed the time when the seven-year-old walked up the wall in front of a number of medical professionals. Oh my god. The child began to have a weird smile on his face, and he charged at the grandmother's stomach and headbutted her several times until she grabbed his hands and started praying. Which, our son does that all the time. Well, yeah, like, apart from the walking up walls, some of this just sounds like a kid that needs a smack. (laughs) (laughs) He had a weird grin on his face and began to walk backwards while the grandmother was holding his hand, and he walked up the wall backwards while holding onto the grandmother's hand, and he never let go. I've seen I've seen uh, acrobats do that. I've seen people on like TikTok do that. <laughs> you use TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say fine, but I want people to know what I'm talking about. Aww. He flipped over and landed on his feet in front of the grandmother and sat down in the chair. At other times, Miss Ammons said that she saw her daughter levitate out of her bed, while the twelve-year-old also reported being thrown across the room and grabbed by dark shadows. Elsewhere in the reports, it shows that an unnamed witness has suggested the mother may have mental health concerns. Like about herself or the children? I think just in general. Just, just. Like, I think the mother has mental health issues. Oh, okay. I I thought she was like, I think I might be crazy. I'm a little concerned. (laughs) (laughs) It's very self-aware. I like it. Water's disgusting. It's tea. Ew. Even worse. (laughs) It tastes like water that has something in it. (laughs) But water's gross. It's because it's tea. (laughs) They also said that it may be that the children are performing for the mother and that she's encouraging the behavior. The three children were removed from the family home by authorities after reports were filed. According to the Indianapolis Star, the day after the children were taken from Ammons, the hospital chaplain called Reverend Mike Maganot to carry out an exorcism on the children and their mother. Whenever you would praise God in Latin, no reaction, he said. If you start condemning the demon, condemning the evil spirit, all of a sudden the children were reacting to that. So basically, like, if he was saying this in like english they would start freaking out yeah i mean that that follows like because the kids are not possessed they're just jerks yeah they don't speak latin yeah although like you as a child you're a dork so you probably wouldn't understand what's going on (laughs) the children returned six months later when the problem subsided yeah so that's definitely not paranormal that's just some bratty kids yeah but like this this police officer with 35 years under his belt for sure thought it was real. I mean, I couldn't imagine, because I don't have that in my life. Like, I don't have the, you know, Christianity, Catholicism as a part of my life. Mm-hmm. So the belief in demons is also not a part of my life. But I can't imagine believing in something like that and then seeing your children behave that way and then genuinely believe 
that your children may be, you know, spiritually being attacked by demons. Like, yeah. that's got to be pretty scary. Especially when they're acting like little jerks. Mm-hmm. That could be really scary. Yeah, but I kind of always just assume that they're, like, just being jerks. Because there's times where, like, our kids are possessed. <laughs> like, yesterday. Like, that well, boy was possessed. Yeah, he was really out of control <laughs> yesterday. But sometimes you can't just chalk it up to, oh, they're being bad kids. Because yeah. that was really the plot of The Good Son. <laughs> oh, no. They were just like, eh, it's just kids being kids. And, like, that kid was a psychopath. Yeah. So sometimes it might not be demons, but still get that kid checked out. Yeah, fair. Before they have to choose which one of them falls off a cliff. (laughs) So this one, this one is from back home. Hi, mom. This is the ghost boy of Clinton Road. Oh, wow. Okay. So Clinton Road in West Milford, New Jersey is said to be the most haunted road in America. So we're starting out real strong. Yeah, that's a pretty bold claim. I thought Route 66 was the most haunted road in America. I don't know. I mean, you get your kicks on there, but I don't know about ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. Continue. (laughs) Okay. It's said that if you travel down the road at midnight, stop at the bridge, and toss a coin over the edge into the river below, the ghost of a boy who dwells underneath it will toss it back out at you. We don't know who he is or why he haunts the bridge, but he probably appreciates some company. He seems to be fond of stuffed animals or various toys left on trees in the area. See, that freaks me out. Like, so I've I've heard of this sort of phenomenon in Mm -hmm. other places where there's ghost children. Yeah. And the way that people respond is by leaving toys. And I've seen it. Like, mm-hmm. we've seen stuff like that in North Jersey. Because North Jersey is, like, people living on the edge of civilization up there in some places. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen that where there's, like, piles of toys. And, like, that, it's, you're almost deifying mm-hmm. the ghost child. Like, I don't know why, but even if ghost children don't exist, that still really creeps me out. Yeah. It, it, it has this, like... uh like children of the corn feel to it Mm -hmm. oh no thank you what's weird about this road is that this story pops up all over the place yeah i'm gonna bring you to whippoorwill oh we've been there we lived four minutes from whippoorwill road in new jersey yeah been on whippoorwill many times so this is um whippoorwill's story or One of them. One of the many (laughs) horrifying stories. It says, I've lived down the street from Whippoorwill Valley Road for 17 years, and I've heard numerous stories about the road. The weirdest thing I've heard about the road is if you travel along it at night and stop or shut off your car, you'll hear a baby cry, or it sounds like a baby crying, somewhere in the distance, and your car will not start up again. Ever? I don't know. My car does it every time it's hot. (laughs) But We've all done this, too. Like We've all gone down to Whippoorwill, and then Mm -hmm. you turn your car off. And you wait for something to happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, because I don't think we've, I, we, we've gone down Whippoorwill together, haven't we? We've driven down it. We didn't, like, do we the... We didn't do the thing. Yeah, um, I have one story where I was driving down with my friends, 2 o'clock in the morning, as you do. And it's a spooky road, because, like, it's completely, like, encompassed with trees and stuff like that. Well, it's, it's out in the country. Whippoorwill is kind of. as much as the country as you can get in that part of New Jersey. Yeah. But it is kind of out in the country. There's a lot of horse farms out there. Mm-hmm horse farm they don't farm horses there's a lot of places out there there stables. are stables yeah thank you stables and there are farmhouses out there there's mm-hmm. the there's an old slaughterhouse that's like now long abandoned yeah um so i mean it is in a very secluded part of the, it's not paved state. yes that is also very important it's yeah. not paved it's very windy mm-hmm. and there's almost there's no street lights i don't think no yes yeah, if, if you turn dark. your lights off on your car it's dead dead dark yeah Dead dark is not a phrase, but you know what I mean. New band name. It's like dead quiet, but with dark. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, um, one time I'd went down there and people are going to mess with teenagers all the time on that road. Yeah. So um, we were driving down and there was a car following us and then they drove off. And then we're driving a little bit more, car following us, drove off. And we get to the end of Whippoorwill Road and the car tried to like block us in. We had to like drive around it, mm-hmm. which when you look at that, it seems really spooky. But you know, it's like some 20 year olds messing with these 16 yeah. year olds. Well, that's one of the weird things about that road is I, I've heard of that too, about hearing the babies. Mm-hmm. Um, someone said that there's there's a curve in that road that's mm-hmm. pretty dramatic and there's a tree growing along the curve. And I've heard stories that there was a kid that got killed there mm-hmm. in a car accident or something. There's all kinds of stories. It's like, you know. There's a family murdered. Witches. Witches. Um, we've heard stories about the KKK being yeah. there. Yeah. Pretty pretty scary place. Um, but uh, I've the one I heard was there was a, like a ghost boy at that curve. Mm-hmm. And we used to do that where we would um, turn the lights off and coast down the road. Yeah. Which that's why there's a dead kid there like (laughs) (laughs) if anything uh and we never really saw anything but Mm -hmm. we were all teenagers so we did a good job of just freaking each other out yeah and then running off but the fact that the sort of a Mm self-perpetuating um the myths the stories are sort of self-perpetuating in that not only do people go there to be freaked out people go there to freak other people out yeah so it sort of stays alive in Mm -hmm. that way it's a right i think i feel like whippoorwill is a rite of passage because like my totally. dad knows about Whippoorwill, you know? <laughs> so right next to Whippoorwill is Crybaby Bridge. And yeah. they kind of flip-flop. Like, you could go to Whippoorwill and do the Crybaby Bridge tradition. Like, yeah, the things you would normally do at Crybaby Bridge, yeah. you can also do there. Yeah. So it says, my friends and I ghost hunt and look for weird places every chance we get. On Friday the 13th, we decided to take a ride on the infamous Cooper Road in Middletown. Legend has it that a baby drowned in the water under the bridge is now Ugh. known as Crybaby Bridge. And at 1 a.m., you could hear the baby cry. It also says that if you stop on the bridge and turn off your car, it won't turn up again. So at 12.45, we decided we'd stop on the bridge and see if the legend held true. Two of my friends got out of the pickup truck while I stayed inside, my back towards the right side of the bridge and my window tightly rolled up. Unexpectedly, I felt a cool breeze on my neck. The driver's side window was open, with my friends standing outside of it. I told him to look behind me. When he did, his mouth dropped and we all heard what sounded like a 400-pound man running through a foot of water. We all screamed and my friends immediately leaped onto the bed of the truck. I got behind the wheel and sped off without even turning on the headlights until I reached the end of the road. To this day, my friend still swears he saw a man's shadow behind me. And this goes on like all these stories. It's like, oh, there's ghost kids on this road. There's the witches beneath the road. There's like, yeah, um, there's like speed bumps. And they say that that's where the witches were buried. So I actually have a story about Crybaby Bridge. Oh, that involves me. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. When I was about 13. Uh, we had a girl that lived across the street, Michelle, that was a couple of years older. She babysat me. And one night, her, her friend, and her boyfriend, and me, because they were babysitting me, <laughs> it was like 11 o'clock, um, we decided to go to Crybaby Bridge. And they had we had this old, like, crappy Honda Accord. And we pull onto the bridge and get out. Like, we turned the car off, turned the lights off, and we all got out of the car. Which, there's really nothing to be afraid of. But when you grow up in that area, hearing the stories about that location, that's suicide. Yeah. (laughs) You can hear the water under the the bridge. And it's a night. And when it's... I didn't... Like, the sound of a river is so soothing. But when you can't see the river, it freaks me out. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. For real. I don't know why. And we were all just kind of sitting and standing in the night air. Just barely able to see anything. And we all, at the same time... We heard a baby. And we were like, what the hell? 
And we all fro- first we didn't go, "What's that?" We all went, "Because <laughs> we're teenagers." So we're like, yeah. "Oh my god!" And we started to all slowly get back in the car when we heard a loud splash in the river, and then the baby sound stopped. Weird. And I have never been in a car that moved faster in all of my life. I have an opposite version of that story. Ooh. I went to, um, I was doing a thing for um, like video class. Yeah. And we had to make like a short video. And mine was going to be on Crybaby Bridge. Mm-hmm. So we go and um, we, we go up to it and we do like the ritual and we put baby powder on like the bumper so you can see the fingerprints uh-huh. and stuff. And fuck all happened. Yeah. And the funny thing is when I told people, because I was, uh, you know, I was 13. I was pretty amazed that we mm-hmm. actually had an experience of some kind. To this day, I have no idea. It could have been a raccoon making a sound that sounded <laughs> like a baby. Maybe the raccoon fell in the river. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm um, so invested in this raccoon's life now. <laughs> I'm so worried. He's probably fine. Uh, he's still alive. 20 years ago. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> And I was so excited to have had an experience, Mm -hmm. but I quickly found out that no one believed it. Yeah. Because so many of us had gone there and had nothing happen. So they were just like, oh, no, that's bullcrap. Like, you didn't have an experience. Very, very strange. This is Ghost Children of Rural Georgia. Oh, neat. The most terrifying encounter that I have had with ghosts was when I was driving home in the countryside of Georgia. I've had other encounters in both Maryland and Georgia, but none of them have terrified me to my core as much as this one has. On my drive home, I pass by a rock quarry, and I lose cell signal, an all-radio signal for the duration of the quarry, which is about a minute. I have learned where the signal cuts in and out. As I was getting closer to the quarry, I noticed what I thought was a new electrical box on the side of the road. As I got closer, I noticed that one side was taller than the other. The closer I got, the shape became more clear and looked as if those two children made a fog. The second I realized the shape, my car became ice cold and fogged up due to it being the middle of the summer in Georgia. My CD, not the radio, became static and the sound of children laughing surrounded me. It seemed to be coming from all angles. No thanks. <laughs> I drove off more quickly than I should have and replayed the song on my CD, looking for some reason that I would have heard laughter. Never saw the children again. Dude, no thanks. Like, <laughs> so like, supposing that ghosts are not real mm-hmm. and all that really happened, that's still really freaking scary. <laughs> like, no, thank you. Yeah. I... I actually, uh, I hate the idea that a child could die and remain on Earth. Mm-hmm. I think that's incredibly sad and I think super scary. Because the afterlife is obviously mysterious to us all. Yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons that I so appreciate sort of mythological figures like the Grim Reaper or Karen. The, the, the Karen, I said it like Karen. Charon, <laughs> the, the boatman from the River Styx. Karen with the hair. <laughs> Karen with the hair. <laughs> Is that there's all these mythological figures to guide you to the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Because it would be fucking awful to have to find your way there on your own. Yeah. Now, imagine dealing with that as a child. Yeah. That is so terrifying. And a lot of times in uh, a lot of these paranormal stories, the ghosts of children are actually demons. Well, that's the story anyway. Yeah. That's even more scary. Yeah. Why are children so scary? <laughs> like, why are little ghost kids so freaking terrifying i don't know man i still don't like that kid from the ring not even the girl the little boy (laughs) Ooh, ooh, i don't like him at all (laughs) i think that's why movies like the omen work yeah is it's not that damien is the devil it's a damien is a little boy that doesn't say a lot and stares at people and that's terrifying (laughs) it just creeps me out the cd thing gets me because it reminds me that one time my cousin and my brother were doing like a seance and they're trying to call biggie 
you know, the rapper. <laughs> yeah. And they had a Biggie CD on. And it was like a dark and stormy night. It was thundering so loud. Ideal and, time for a seance. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the CD started skipping when they were trying to get him. And as a child, I think I was like seven, I started weeping because I was so scared. Now I'm just like, we play that CD constantly. It just had a skip. Do you imagine if Biggie showed up? <laughs> Biggie showed was, up in Wayne, New Jersey for a bunch of toddlers, pretty much. was wrathful <laughs> yeah. at being disturbed. Oh, I hope that's what happened. I don't... Yeah. You hope you disturbed Biggie? Yes. He hears that right now. Wherever he is, <laughs> oh, no. he hears that. How dare you? Well, no one uses CDs anymore, so how are we going <gasps> to know? <laughs> You're so mean today. I love it. <laughs> What's he going to do? Hypnotize me. Did you have another story? I do. I have one to go out on that's a lot more lighthearted than dead children. Awesome. Well, and if anyone's worried, because um, I've been told by many people that my stories tend to be too dark, (laughs) we do have some lighthearted stuff to share at the end of the episode. Because I keep telling Jerry, stop it with the fucking sadness. (laughs) That's why we had to do Jeff. We had to do Jeff as a palate cleanser. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's why you're going second. (laughs) (laughs) This article is called Woman Haunted by Children Singing Creepily in the Dead of Night for Months. Where is this article from? Fox. (laughs) Sorry, it's in England. Oh, okay. For months at different times during the night, the eerie voices of children singing, it's raining, it's pouring, filtered through the air in Ipswich in England. Ipswich? Ipswich. Ipswich. I I know I had to apologize every episode for my pronunciation. You got to deal with that at this point. (laughs) The singing occurs at different times, but always at night. The singing would go away for a time, but it would always come back. For months, this went on. Months. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Okay. I thought you were, like, reiterating the word months, and I was like, that's, just read it. What are you doing? That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes the music would play for hours at a time, or multiple times a night. As a reminder, the old man went to bed, bumped his head, and couldn't get up in the morning. Perfect nursery rhyme. It's the stuff of nightmares we sing to children. Yeah, that is actually a really scary nursery rhyme. Most of them are. Ugh. The first time I heard it, it was the most terrifying thing ever. I went cold and felt sick and thought, what on earth was that? The woman told BBC News. She did not wish to be identified. She reported the singing to the Ipswich Borough Council, which found it a bit hard to believe, but the other residents reported terrifying music playing. This is unique in our experience. It was difficult to believe that a nursery rhyme would be playing in the middle of the night, a spokesperson for the council told Ipswich Star. On September 10th, the singing began at 11.15pm local time, and then began to play every two to three minutes. The town's rapid response team followed the music through the night to an industrial property, probably wondering if they were on an episode of The X-Files or Black Mirror. <laughs> Topical. Right? We did hear the nursery round playing from the industrial premises, and it sounded very eerie at the time of night, the same spokesman said. We appreciate that the people living nearby would find it quite spooky. The property installed motion sensors to play the creepy tune to deter trespassers and would-be thieves, the company checked the cameras and sensors to see what was setting up the spooky singing that haunted neighbors for months. That's amazing. Yes. We are now aware of the problem. The motion sensors are being triggered by spiders crawling across the lenses of our cameras, and it looks like we've had it turned up a bit too loudly, a company spokesman told the Ipswich Star. Spiders. Spiders triggered spooky singing that haunted neighbors for months. It's a massive relief, and I'm looking forward to getting some actual sleep from now on, said the woman who reported it all to the council. That's awesome. Oh my god, why have I never thought of that? That's so clever. It's diabolical. It truly is. Oh my god, I'm so into that. We are setting it up tonight. (laughs) I was gonna say, I know what I'm using my tax return money for next year. Like, 100%. (laughs) I'm gonna 
terrorize this neighborhood. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Every time a cat goes by? Every time a cat goes by? Yeah. Every time a rabbit goes by? Yeah. Our neighborhood is full of tiny things that move around. <laughs> which sounds creepy. Like we live in a slum. But like, <laughs> we have a lot of bunnies. And I would love for every time a bunny you hear like children singing or something. Oh my god, I love it. Oh, I'm sold. But don't tell like my parents who live nearby. Just let it happen. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm not telling a soul. Like, yeah. It's you. You're it. I'm going to let the kids think the neighborhood's haunted. <laughs> okay. So those were our stories. We hope that you enjoyed that. They were handpicked with Dan and Emma in mind. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're mean. So we have a couple of recommendations uh, to make. Uh, I'm trying to do this in every episode where I make a recommendation for a podcast or something. And I have two recommendations. One is for a podcast called Dope Labs. If you've not listened to Dope Labs in the past, you totally should. It is hosted by Titi and Zakia, and they are hilarious and incredibly knowledgeable. They're a pair of uh, lady scientists who really break down some complicated subjects in a way that educates you and doesn't make you feel like an idiot. (laughs) They talked about coronavirus. They talked about, uh, like, the science of ghost hunting. They talked about the impossible whopper. (laughs) It's a great show. I highly recommend it to anyone who needs a little change of pace. Maybe they don't want to listen to true crime and paranormal stuff all the time. I would hope that you would. Yeah. But if you don't. Specifically, hardly paranormal. Specifically, us. (laughs) The other recommendation is not a podcast. Um, There is a show that I discovered recently. Good lord, it's amazing i am in love with there's two shows actually there's the original show and the new spinoff mm-hmm. called ghost brothers <laughs> and it is absolutely amazing it is the first all african-american paranormal investigation show it is these three friends who had a passion about the paranormal and they were watching ghost hunting shows and they realized that there wasn't any representation mm-hmm. for people of color in that kind of media yeah and they were like why not us and I love the way that they approach the paranormal. They're they're skeptical, but they still believe. They not everything is a ghost. Not every sound it's is a ghost. It's not so serious. It's way. It's yes. It's not so serious. Yeah. And they did a show, Ghost Brothers, for a while. That show ended, and they have a new show called Ghost Brothers Haunted House Guests, where people who have issues with paranormal uh, events in their house have these three guys come stay with them for the weekend and do an investigation. (laughs) They're very down to earth and they are very funny. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend it to anyone who likes ghost hunter shows. It's great. It's so great. (laughs) Now, as one of the legends of paranormal podcasting would say, are you ready for some reviews? And as uh, Dan would say, I'm not ready. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) So our first review comes from the Poisoner's Cabinet. And they said... The king and queen of ghostly pods. What would our lives be without Emma and Dan? They are such an inspiration and have helped so many of us get started. We love you. Emma for president. (laughs) I would for sure vote for her for anything. 100%. Yeah. This review comes from the Friends Psych Files. She says, Emma and Dan were a huge inspiration for me to get over my fear of failure to start the Friends Psych Files podcast. Since day one, they were incredibly supportive and continue to support small podcasts of every genre. They're a true gift to the podcast community and deserve all the success and praise. That's nice. (laughs) This review comes from Super Duperstitious. Emma and Dan, we've been through so much together. Us making a show a year and a half before you, your show immediately blowing ours away because it's actually (laughs) good. Breakfast cereals, creepy forest dolls, all sorts of goodies. And we finally figured out Mel's Hole, and we did it together. 
We couldn't be happier to be your podcast pals. That's real cute. Yeah. And this view comes from Full Movie Podcast, and they say, They're both such genuine people and the friendliest people. They have both encouraged us to start our own podcast. They've helped us to reach other listeners and given step-by-step tips to help us grow. They clearly work hard and have dedication to their podcast, yet they still give time to help others promote and progress. Also, they both have cool tats. This is not a typo. Thank you eternally. (laughs) (laughs) And our final review comes from We Need to Talk About Ghosts. Emma and Dan are the best. No, seriously, I'll fight you on that statement. A verbal fight, though. You'd win at fisticuffs. They've dug us out of so many holes at last-minute quiz request, where we've asked them to submit a round of questions at the 11th hour, and have been there for a podcaster woe chat slash advice session on numerous occasions. Their show is a benchmark others need to aspire to, not in format, content, or the usual things, but in their bloody honesty and transparency. How you manage to portray trustworthiness in a podcast, I'll never know. But they do, and it's beyond refreshing. I could wax lyrical all day about them, both their show and their cat, but I'm far too cool for that. Chickabow music plays as I make finger guns and wink. (laughs) No, seriously, good things happen to good people. Luckily for us, their good thing happened to be a podcast we all get to enjoy on a topic we love. Toot on, you lovely pair. Toot on. (laughs) So those are just some nice things that we collected from some nice people who I think have a lot in common with us in that part of the reason this community rocks as hard as it does Mm -hmm. is because Emma and Dan and Tiny Bims are a part (laughs) of it. They're our mom and dad. <laughs> they are. They're the mom and dad of the of the spooky podcast world. Yeah. <laughs> so what's something that you've learned doing this podcast? Um, I think that I can live with the sound of my voice. Oh, yeah. Um, Because normally it terrifies me. But listening back, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> kind of getting used to your own yeah. sound. Yeah. I've definitely learned that you really can do whatever you want to do. If yeah. you just do it, just try. Because we wanted to do this forever and we were mm-hmm. doing research and really until Emma was just like, do it. And we yeah. were like, oh, yeah, we can just do this. It's really not that hard. Yeah, I was afraid that I was going to mess up the whole podcast because I was on it. And then people listened to it. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> not only people listened to it, but people were like, we need more Lacey in these episodes. <laughs> it's like, but why? <laughs> I'm so scared. And I mean, being a consumer of podcasts and stuff like that Mm -hmm. is one thing because you get to see these people creating this great content and then to start to create your own and to slowly become peers of these people, uh, not just because you make content that is on the same level as them, but because we certainly don't, (laughs) we certainly don't, but because they're so friendly and caring and Mm -hmm. compassionate and generous with their time and their advice and not just them and Dan, but Really, everybody that I've interacted with in the podcasting community. It's so wild. Everyone's so nice. So nice and so friendly. And I think part of that is that they do, in a way, set that example Mm -hmm. for when new podcasts come up. You know, you're sort of brought up in an environment where it's Mm -hmm. like, hey, be nice to everyone and let's help each other out. Yeah. Um, And we've made friends along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think if it wasn't for podcasting, you wouldn't have to tolerate association football as often as you're going to in the near future. I swear to God, Matt and Dan, we are going to bare knuckle box. (laughs) I can't with this. So that's all we really had. Um, Mm -hmm. We wanted to do something really special for the 10th episode. We had talked in the past about doing um, like doing a review of a paranormal show that we mm-hmm. liked, but we figured that we would not have gotten this far yeah. without you guys. And we wanted to say thank you from the bottom of our heart for pushing us and supporting us and helping us get here. Yeah. We love you, Mom and Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like this episode, you can follow us on Twitter at HardlyParanormie with a Y. 
We're also on Instagram at Hardly Paranormal. And you can join and like our Facebook group, uh, Hardly Paranormal. <laughs> I'll remember the name one day. <laughs> <laughs> you made it, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, and you can subscribe, like us, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can follow us on Spotify. Um, and those reviews really do help us out a lot because it helps more awesome people like you find our show. Uh, Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> Flattery will get you everywhere. Um, and if you have any questions or comments or want to send us suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at hardlyparanormal at gmail.com. I'm also still waiting for funny uh, dong drawings and no one has delivered yet. I'm a little upset. <laughs> I swear to God, if one more aspect of my life has dong drawings in it, I am going to lose my mind. Get yourself under control. I'm trying. But how funny would it be? I, you know what? I think this is a thing that is only funny to you. <laughs> I can't be the only one. I mean at this table. <laughs> That's fair. So I've been Jerry. I've been Lacey, mostly. And remember, it's probably just the wind. I really can't do football. I'm so sorry. <laughs>